Series 1, Episode 2. Hello and welcome to our Plain Jane Huddles podcast, a space for uplifting, informative and friendly conversations that we might usually be having behind closed doors with industry leaders and tastemakers who share our love and passion for the events industry. This episode was recorded on Instagram Live back in 2020. So let's jump in with our second huddle guest, where we spoke to Ben Taylor, founder and director of Snapping Turtle. Hello! Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm all right, love. How are you? I love it. It's lovely and sunny. We're working from home. Get to, um, there's a sun lounger in the back. I've just got off that. Just uh, nice, a, nice. a towel and uh, I like to see you put a, I like to see you put a top on for me now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to explain. Alex wanted a pre-Instagram live conversation. Well, and yeah. I was expecting it to be on the phone. I didn't have, um, I had my nipples out. And um, yeah, I had to put a t-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking dapper ben lovely to thank see you you're looking gorgeous yourself thank you very much yeah. thank you. No, no one will ever know that i spoke to you without a little bit of beautiful mascara no, will and, and no no nobody will nobody will all without a gosh we have a theme here <laughs> and we've both got our cheese stars behind us so um we're all set to go <laughs> so um first of all just wanted to sort of like say hi and thank you for joining us um, and um, obviously, like, like I was saying, our huddles are a space where we can kind of like have conversations that we would normally happen behind closed doors. And obviously, just in light of everything that's going on, and dare we say the C word, um, in light of everything that's going on, sometimes it's nice just to sort of like share these conversations. Um, and we're very excited to have you as our second guest. So um, thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I'm a little bit nervous. Please be gentle with me. It was a, a great one last week. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'm insightful and a little bit entertaining. Yeah. I'm sure you will be. I've got my gin and tonic. Do you have a drink? Because we talked about I'm going to cheers. I have gin and tonic as well, but fortunately not in a classy <laughs> glass like you. <laughs> I've got a boyfriend to make me mine and this is what I got. So cheers. Thank you for cheers. joining me. <laughs> um, so for everyone that's listening, thank you for joining as well. Oh, it's lovely. Um, we are keeping it super casual. Um, so if you do have any questions, do just drop them into the um, comments box and box. If I can multitask and we've got time, then I can ask some questions as well. Um, but otherwise, um, let's kick off. So, um, Ben, obviously, we know you at Plain Jane very well as the other half to our gorgeous ends, our marketing manager. But there's so much more to you than that. Um, so, um, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey and, um, and your business, Snapping Turtle? So yeah, just a, a little bit of a, a potted history. I've always loved the idea of storytelling, communicating to an audience, but that started without an audience and without events and, and first started on this journey, um, working in radio, first hospital radio, then a local radio station whilst I was studying my A-levels and, and uh, started to get paid and then realised that actually it was something I really loved and then worked at um, Wales's biggest radio station, which was owned by The Guardian at the time, um, had a character called Breakfast Show Ben. Um, did oh, cool. Many things. Nice ring to it. Sorry? A nice ring to it. Yeah, well, you know, alliteration. Breakfast Show Ben, that was what the main presenter came up with. Um, but during that journey at Real Radio, that was what the, the radio station was called, um, started seeing how the radio station's events were working, how they were working with brands, how they were working with PR agencies. Didn't realize it at the time that that would kind of steer part of the direction of um, the business that I would eventually set up. Um, got poached then and worked for LBC Radio in London and also Heart and Capsule Radio as a, a showbiz reporter. Had a crazy time in my mid-20s of 
interviewing the likes of Michelle Pfeiffer and Morgan Freeman and very little but going out to lots of parties and stuff and and getting a little bit squiffy on the old booze Um, but met loads of PR agencies and to be honest I was a PR agency's dream because on commercial radio I'd spout mentions about the brands and so forth they were working with Um, and Back in 2006, 2007, there was the economic crisis, the recession, and I sadly got made redundant. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a blessing in disguise because I'd I'd been working in radio for a long time. I really liked events and I really liked producing content and radio was a bit limiting, although I I still work a a little bit in the radio industry for the BBC every now and then. Uh, We then... um, um, we, we decided that um, actually there was going to be a rise in online films, online content. So we reversed the model. And when I say we, it's me and my business partner, Michael. We've known each other for 15 years. Snapping Turtles, 10 years old. We knew that the start of YouTube, start of Facebook, people would want content. Yes. So what we did was um, reverse the model. We were speaking to various, um, when I was a showbiz reporter, PR companies would give us loads of things to talk about so we wrote the first model and said we'll produce content for you you pay us and then we form snapping turtle okay. um, and so create there's two parts to the company there's a creative content agency that produces this branded content um, but as we still in the early days we were working within the radio industry producing award-winning documentaries and so forth and we stumbled across an idea of doing a live documentary on radio okay. uh, for bbc radio 2 uh, it was a storytelling concert. Um, it was for the 70th anniversary of D-Day. And we managed to get Patrick Stewart to read the lines of Winston Churchill, Dermot O'Leary to host, Jeremy Vine to host. We had an orchestra of 80 musicians playing the music, whereas in a pre-recorded documentary, it would all be just library music you would use. Um, and our audience was the audience at the Royal Albert Hall. And if I look back six, seven years ago to that moment, I think I pinched myself and I think, Wow. Um, yeah, I was uh, a radio journalist and uh, then I was producing branded content and then you end up in the events industry. It was really, really amazing to, to have 5,000 people in the Royal Albert Hall giving you a standing ovation is, pretty, you know. Yeah, pretty, gosh, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. It's, it's like, um, yeah, the biggest adrenaline rush ever. Um, there's obviously been other, other areas of my life, like having a baby and having a wonderful partner that it gives me loads and loads of excitement. But when you're stood backstage, looking at an audience, standing up and clapping, you think, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. But um, our model has always been one-off events. And we add scale by streaming and broadcasting these events to cinemas. Um, gradually over the years, they, you know, the first event was to 250 cinemas. Um, and now we're broadcasting usually to about 450, 500 cinemas, expect wow. 60,000 people to go to cinema. And this is where the majority of our revenue comes from for this side of the business is through okay. people buying tickets. Okay. Um, so usually um, this side of Snapping Turtle um, is the production company side. Uh, we produce about one or two events a year. Okay. We usually spend about two to three years working on the event because we want to get the best venue at the best date. Um, so it's been a bit of an interesting time over the last couple of months with uh, yeah. what's been happening and how it's affected us. It certainly has, hasn't it? Absolutely. And um, just you talking about the Royal Albert Hall, then obviously it just leads us beautifully to obviously the last event that you 
um, you just did, which was um, you basically did the V-Day um, 75-year event at the Royal Albert Hall um, and um, what an it was meant to be um, and what an event it actually turned out to be, which was just spectacular, but in a very different way. Um, and after, what was it, three years of planning, right, that you basically had to kind of like flip it on its head with the old coronavirus shut down, um, flipped it on its head and turned into a spectacular but very different behind closed doors event. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so one back three years ago, we um, call up our, the head of programming at uh, the Royal Albert Hall and we, we book in the event. We did V-Day 70 at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, and I, we have a repeatable model every five years because people love uh, the 70th anniversary, 75th anniversary, 80th anniversary, etc. So you have to have that foresight to book and, and you book it and you start then working on it and you bring t together the various different elements that you need and uh, whether that's um, brand sponsorship, whether that's the talent, the orchestra, the script writing and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you spend a good two years putting that all together. And we were ready to go live with a, a show with um, the Royal Philharmonic Quantum Orchestra we're going to perform. Um, and we were speaking to various A-list celebrities as well to, to perform, but sadly they couldn't be part of it. Uh, and we sold out in 48 hours, thanks to a media partnership. It was um, going to be probably the biggest scaled event we'd ever done in our whole entire life. And then you'll remember being, you know, being part of... Uh, the last few months and working in events, you suddenly hear about um, in China, there's this coronavirus. Um, <laughs> it's really far away. Don't worry about no. it at all. That's, yeah, it's never going to come this far. And then you've got Boris Johnson, who's uh, trying to give us um, some advice of like, oh, just wash your hands and sing happy birthday. Oh, it can't be anything serious. <laughs> and then as it's looming in, in our event was supposed to be on the 8th of May. Yeah. You suddenly go, okay, is it going to happen? But within a team, you, yeah. you know, when you're leading staff and other freelancers and other stakeholders that have investment in your project, you try and keep morale positive. Yeah. And you try and, maybe even you try and convince yourself that it can happen. But then the reality at the back of your head is, is lingering. And it was quite stressful and, and pressurizing to go, actually, I've invested so much time and, and capital into this event, but it may not happen. And then overnight, as you'll have experienced, uh, we can't do it. We can't do our events. No. And how, how what do you do? So, yeah. you know, we watched all of the daily briefings at five o'clock every single night, and you've still got Boris being a bit of a pleb, shaking people's hands, and, and you're thinking, what, what, what's going on? Um, I got into running then, it was quite nice. <laughs> but after, after two weeks of running and realizing that I am massively unfit, uh, decided that we, we really needed to, to somehow think about what we could we do. To make this work, yeah. We are owning BE Day. We were owning, it was going to be the biggest national event to commemorate this really worthy anniversary where it's probably the last anniversary where veterans are still going to be alive. They're, they're sadly dying in, in quite high numbers fairly regularly. So to honour those, or in the past is always really, really important. Yeah. Um, but also as a business, you know, we, we'd invested a lot. Um, so we, we tried to go down different routes. We spoke to the BBC, we spoke to mm -hmm. ITV, uh, we spoke to DCMS, the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport, the government department that was leading VE Day. And yes. unfortunately, the, the door was shut on us. Um, okay. 
we, we can't generate revenue because we can't sell any tickets and and all of the people that bought the tickets you know we we had to just say we're postponing the event which which we are which i'll get on to a, a little bit um and it was only two weeks before the 8th of may where my business partner had a genius idea inspired by bocelli i don't know if the people watching um saw it but bocelli performed at milan's cathedral and it was stunning it was um, on youtube and it, it, it was incredible lots of people watched live but the majority of the audience watched post the live event and yeah. we noticed that the milan tourist board were partly behind it my okay. business partner had a bit of a brainwave and thought okay. light bulb moment thing, which which is i think you'll agree in in when times are hard sometimes there's a kind of a genius moment and a spark yeah. and he thought actually we have a connection with the mayor of london we worked with him in the past Maybe. 2016 yeah. why don't we just reframe the idea and make it about london saving the hall be day the royal albert hall has not been closed in 150 years and reframe it slightly and and thankfully with the help of the mayor of london and the other stakeholders that are part of it, SAP for the military charity, and Royal Albert Hall were ex exceptionally helpful and wanted to do something because the hall's point of view, they had to furlough many of their staff. The majority of their income comes from you know their shows. I think they have you know over 365 shows a year in the various different spaces. You know it's it's been really tough for them. It's a grade one listing listed building and they have to uptake it so they were really supportive and um, so we decided that we we from the mayor of london we had um the support of the money and we had money to do it we built a relationship with youtube youtube were really behind it and so what we did was catherine jenkins who was contracted for the original concert and um, said that she would help and help do a fundraising concert for okay. Staffa, the military charity, and for the Royal Albert Hall, and um, would perform. And we thought actually doing something really stripped back and unique at yeah. the Royal Albert Hall with Catherine Jenkins performing to a vast empty hall. Instead of her, usually she would be positioned looking out at the audience. We flipped mm -hmm. the 180, so the camera was looking out at this vast, empty, haunting, poignant hall. It was stunning, absolutely stunning. I, I watched it, yeah, it was beautiful, beautifully done. Oh, thank you, thank you. And yeah, you joined 400,000 people that eventually watched it. We actually reached a much bigger audience than we would have if it was a, a live event going out to 5,000 yeah. people in the hall and 60,000 people um, in cinemas across the country. But it was, yeah, it was a crazy time of, you know, 14 hour days for two weeks. Um, and your lovely member of staff, Emma, who's my partner, helping me out with our, with our son, Arlo boosting morale it was it was oh. absolutely amazing but you know you have to think on your feet the last few months have been absolutely nuts I, yeah. how how for you is as it affected you I like, to, I, I like to think that you know every cloud has a silver lining and i definitely think that out of kind of like you know adversity brings kind of real positive change as well you know and i think when it when we're sort of like as a business as an industry we're 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 sort of meant to think on our feet aren't we um we're meant to be to kind of turn things around really quickly and and solve problems and that's what we tell our clients you know that we can do and, and all of a sudden the same thing happened to us you know we were just thrown into this kind of like world of cancellations and everything going a bit kind of for one of a bit tits up 
um and um and it just gives you a chance though doesn't it just to sort of like stop and slow down and work out what you're going to do and how you're going to deal with it and um we've managed you know out of our kind of, you know, all of our jobs cancelling pretty much bar a few that sort of postponed to tbc who knows um but we've managed to kind of like turn our thinking to other ways of doing stuff um and i think that's a really kind of like a, a really kind of exciting time for the industry certainly um, we started to we started doing kind of like a lot of things from a virtual perspective which obviously everyone is but the, the word pivot has become the real buzzwords haven't they yeah. everyone's pivoting something um, <laughs> And we're just trying to pivot as much as we can and going virtual at the moment one of our own only around it. Um, and so we've started doing quite a lot of virtual conferences and summits um, and working on kind of virtual mailers, things like that in um, uh, for a lot of our press clients. Um, and also for our sort of like corporate and comms clients, we're doing quite a lot of virtual engagement stuff. How do you engage with your audience with your which are which are the employees all either hello or working from home so it's been uh, definitely you know a silver lining for us to be able to stop and think about other ways that events could happen rather than just face to face so it's amazing that you were able to do this like a once you know, first time in history as you say when the royal Abbott hall closed and being able to make history with someone as phenomenal as Catherine jenkins i used her for a conference a few years ago absolute babe like just what a, a voice and, and a lovely woman so it must have been lovely and, yeah and she and she was absolutely lovely uh you know she wanted to be part of it from yeah. the start for, for various different reasons um but turned up really professionally and and producing an event that that's covid safe we were yeah. in the kind of phase before where we are now and had to get a special dispensation in a way to be able to do it and be yeah. amplified as a you know we're, we uh, we're, we're not key workers on this key workers are doing absolutely fantastic uh, right across the board but doing something of national importance gave us the, the right to be able to be traveling across London and to to go into the hall and and the health and safety I'm sure with uh, your events normally you know health and safety is a job that you don't like to to do because it's a job yeah. really hard and if anything goes yeah, wrong we'll pass it to someone who knows best <laughs> and, and bless Nikki um she was um, from a, a partner production company TBI Media she was um, absolutely fantastic. The the work and due diligence that had to go into it, and and having an event that you almost had to have zonal segregated areas because every single person doesn't need to be part of um, you know every part of the production, and some people do. Um, and it was quite nice as well to do something so stripped back. You know, sometimes we have 150 performers on stage at the Royal Albert Hall, but on this occasion we had five or six performers um, and it's much easier to coordinate and, and what I've noticed as well during this furloughing period and, and it's been great we've been able to fur furlough staff and many organizations in the events industries have been able to, to furlough is the junior members of staff are, are furloughed and you're working with yes, the senior people that have been in the industry 15, 20, 25, 30 years and everyone's going back to grassroots about yeah that they originally wanted to get involved in events absolutely and, and, and what they really loved what they wanted you... in the first place yeah i mean i spend my time now or well, not in the last three months but i've spent my last few years managing a business managing a team and i really miss party planning and really miss the organizing events and actually talking to people about the creatives and this and what we can do and it, that's that's one of the positives definitely for me personally at plain Jane, is to be able to 
in the thick of it because yeah my, my whole team is pretty much perfect as well so I'm able to actually talk to my clients about their parties as well which is which is a, a real fun thing to do and what is what I love so kind of like giving me this passion back again as well and has it changed the way that you might want to move plane gen events moving forward that actually you know you are absolutely fantastic at selling a party and doing a party and, and actually you know the business side actually I want to go back to you know old Alex the party yeah. I started my career actually doing private parties, big budget private parties for another agency, and um, which was absolutely phenomenal. Traveling the world, you know, kind of like it was, you know, the stories I could tell you about Lionel Richie, I tell you now, but um, and, and, another time. <laughs> but um, we, but and I think to myself, do you know what? I love all that we've got. We're very much kind of like PR focused, press. We've got two sides to our business, as you know, PR and the press, corporate and the internal comm stuff we do but actually we've been talking over the last couple of years about opening up a private sort of like wedding arm um, and to go back to something like that would be would be amazing and actually also sort of like corona and this downtime has sort of given us or given me is the space to actually start thinking about projects which is which we were saying earlier is kind of gets kind of put on the back burner doesn't it because you're just reacting to inquiries clients and things and, and you know employee, employee issues you know, paying bills, and actually now we can just sort of slow down and go, okay, maybe we'll read that project and maybe push it forward. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. Just the, from one project ends and before you know it, another project is looming yeah. around the corner and you kind of, you know, and it, and it is it is fun. And I think that's why we are in similar industries is because the, the buzz of the, the kind of now is really good. Yeah. But running a business you need to have strategy you need to be looking forward and you know within um the events that, that we do we need to be looking two years in advance to get the best venues across the country and as we move forward uh, um, venues across the world you, you need that time and and i've found you know being able to actually just be creative on the sun lounger outside uh, um, <laughs> writing dream ideas that's the only problem i'm gonna have to get some sort of like visor thing like you know kind of like my, my iPad better so I can spend more time on the sign lounger. <laughs> you do, yeah, yeah, you definitely do. You definitely do. Any kind of work calls or brainstorming where I don't need to be on my computer and just making some notes, um, I always just go out there with my um, hands free set and just, you know, wa waffle and chew the fat as you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. So in your kind of blazing on the sun lounger and kind of like just doing doing the bits around the house around all of your work that you're presumably doing all by your partner now everyone else is furloughed um what are you thinking about kind of like the future of kind of like the stuff you do like from an events perspective um do you think there's going to be any changes do you think when we're talking about it a lot obviously in all my kind of like in all our sort of industry chats you know what is going to happen when we go back to normal is this going to be it you know do you have any thoughts on that well the hardest thing is we don't actually know the scientists don't know the government definitely do not know and it's therefore hard to plan if we knew that there was a, going to be a vaccine and that was going to you know arrive in december spring next year okay you can plan accordingly but we don't actually know so i guess the the, the short-term plans are right well we still need money coming into the company and how do we do that so we are looking at different models of bringing sponsorship in, mm -hmm. working um, with government and councils that they, they allocate their money, you know, a budget year beforehand, and they have that money that needs to be spent, but they can't spend it on 
an event that they were going to do. Okay, but they can divert that cash. Yeah. So if we can come up with something, so we're exploring some ideas um, around Pride that would have happened in London and okay. also Notting Hill Carnival that okay. happened that sadly can't happen. Yeah. But these, uh, as well as being great events to you know promote um, gay rights and also to promote the multiculturalism of London and the West Indian African communities, mm -hmm. are businesses. There are sponsors that we're going to invest hundreds and thousands of pounds into these events that have money that aren't going to be invested. So it's trying to think out of the box and use the relationships of the venues that we do work with and mm -hmm. do have and, and trying to, what well, I didn't mention with the Catherine Jenkins event was it was a, a charity event that raised nearly 60,000 pounds. Wow. So, from, so as the West End is dying, um, Shakespeare's Globe, a report in, in the papers over the last couple of days, not doing too well, is, is trying to think of ideas for venues. And, and I'm talking mainly London because we're, we're London based, yeah. but venues yeah. up and down the country are suffering, is how can we do something to generate money for them, generate money for a good cause, but also come up with something creative. And this time away from normal work, normal work, and you have time to be creative. So um, it, it's thinking, just thinking on happy. So there's, so there's ideas like that that we're exploring. Also, we have to be COVID safe and to have a, a venue of 30 or 40% is just not financially viable for the yeah. venue or ourselves as a producer and promoter of those events is, okay, what can you do if we've got a bunch of cars together um, and everyone could be two metres apart, what could you do then with an audience? Um, oh, go back to Sandy and Danny time. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite okay. Your favourite film. We'll we'll get a rendition once the um, once the gins hit the uh, old bloodstream. <laughs> there are different ways, and we, we're talking oh. about potentially moving into this area. Very early conversations. Can't really reveal too much more. Um, but it's but it's yeah. But, but chatting to various different companies and how they're adapting is an interesting way of you getting an insight as we try and learn about what this. The government keeps saying there's a new normal. What is the new normal? It's by speaking to people like yourself that are having to diversify or think or think further yeah. or, or whatever. How, how do you think it's um, affected? I, I mean, we're, we're, getting really, we're getting really mixed. Kind of, we're having really mixed conversations with, with other different types of clients. Um, the, the main kind of like ones we're getting from our sort of press PR clients, they're desperate to get back out there. They're happy to be doing these creative failures for now, but actually they're desperate to get back face to face. And, you know, our private clients, you know, I have a, a, a lovely bar mitzvah client in October and she's just like, I just don't know if everyone's going to want to party 300 people in one space. But it's a confidence thing. So we have this real sort of like mixed, they want to party, but they don't feel safe or, or their guests will. And then you've got our private clients, for example, who are, who are desperate to do it. So I, I think we are just in a phase, like with parenthood and with small children, it's phases yeah. <laughs> go into the next phase and then you kind of forget about the last phase and then you go into the next phase and i think we're in a you know we're in a phase and i think we will come out i think we will go back to normal to three from an events perspective i think people are always that face-to-face -face, uh, you know human contact but we'll just be a little bit more mindful probably of um of the balance of it all um and um I'm hoping we'll all come back to it because that is what my business is based on. So please. <laughs> Part of mine as well. <laughs> but it, it, 
really interesting for you to have done this with the ball out hall and even just from a supplier perspective the safety the precautions and everything you go through for that and then imagine putting guests into that as well you know and that's what we're just having to think about at the moment as well all the way to keep them safe as and when it, they do open up and we can get more and more guests in. So it's just a process a constant process of just like as more information comes adapting isn't it so it's just an adapting adapting and, and looking out for each other because we we yeah. both use um, white light as a supplier yeah. of um, lighting and screens and, and so forth and you know the, the whole industry across the board with like I'm talking about BE Day and Catherine Jenkins and loads of views and so forth. And it's a kind of the, the glamorous side, but there's a whole infrastructure of people and businesses that unite together for what we do. Um, and, and it's important to, you know, what, what was, I, I don't know if you've ever used a company called SFL. No. Um, they are a preferred supplier of the Royal Albert Hall and um, okay. Royal Albert Hall kindly and rightly said, these guys, well, not only do they know the Royal Albert Hall inside out, but actually, you know, that they're suffering massively. You obviously will have other suppliers you want to, to work with, but they're our preferred supplier. You know, they, mm -hmm. they will, yeah, everyone came in at cost for this to, to make it happen. Otherwise, it just would not have happened. But it, yeah. it's important to just remember across the board within our industries, everyone is suffering. Um, and, uh, but together, we can unite together and hopefully come back stronger. We can, definitely. And that's one of the points I've definitely seen out of it, how much, as an industry, we've also been for so many years, suddenly we're coming together as this really kind of united, supportive industry, which I think is wonderful. And you mentioned White Light. I, I read an article by the of White Light the other day, and he said, you know, we're planning for the worst, but hoping for the best. And I think that's, you know, again, just being prepared for, for whatever's going to come, um, but actually really hoping we're going to sort of like be over before we know it and what it's going to be in our lives you know in a few years time we're going to look back in a few months in our lives that we just have to adapt and change and it's all going to be for the best i think you know we're all going to have a different spirit i think about it all through it all as well yeah in, indeed 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 and i i just you know we all we're all hoping for some kind of clarity and then we can plan accordingly mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know it's our royal Albert hall event was supposed to be the 8th of may it's uh, it wasn't cancelled it was just postponed um it's postponed until september the 20th but oh, are we going to be able to do it on september yes. the 20th and um, particularly because for our war commemorative brands that we have uh the audience is 65 plus and and yes. over 70s are in the at-risk category they're definitely not going to have con confidence of reuniting together so we're even thinking uh, we had two national events today one for the battle of britain 80th anniversary and be day 75 uh, we're even thinking that because our audiences are so strong and want to commemorate those who fought for our country to just do be day 76 and battle of britain 81 and the yeah. audience will still be there they'll it's, still, it's... Yeah, they'll still want to come absolutely yeah it's a great idea why not absolutely well listen i think we've come to the end i can't believe we're actually run over time but uh how's your you ben yeah have you finished yours i didn't even see you but i didn't even touch your lips are you sure arlo didn't drink it <laughs> <laughs> well uh thank Good you luck. so much ben for speaking to us and kind of like for coming in and inspiring us and being a leader and an, and, um, an innovator in our industry um and well done for um for the event at the Royal Albert hall and for um, and um, thank you for everybody that was listening and for tuning in. Uh, next
next week we'll have more chat and friendly faces and Ben I can't wait to actually have a physical drink with you in hopefully you know just a matter of weeks or months so let's do it thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed our chat we'll be back next time with another brilliant guest and more in-depth chats with a glass of something in hand so until then if you'd like more information about us and what we do head over to plainjaneevents.com or you can find us on Instagram at plainjaneevents see you next time bye